Hello and welcome to this extremely off-the-cuff edition of Scoundrel's Horde. This has no number, it barely has a date, but the date is actually 24th of May 2017. It is currently 11.05pm GMT <laughs> and I'm very tired, but God bless me, I decided I had to do this because I'm so freaking excited about the Vanity Fair photos. <laughs> Kirsty, how excited I'm... are you about the Vanity Fair photos? I am really, really excited, but it's 3pm for me, so <laughs> I feel so bad for you having to wait up. <laughs> don't worry. This is fine. why we don't do midweek shows, because there's an eight-hour time difference. So Yeah, it, it really doesn't work when we both have jobs, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but this was too exciting not to have something out there. Even if we haven't got anything prepared, we just want to talk about how exciting these photos are and the story and everything exactly yeah so there's going to be no structure to this we literally have no notes which is unheard of for us because we normally prepare the most ridiculously copious notes you could imagine <laughs> but yeah i think we're gonna fangle flail for the next 20 minutes and we hope you enjoy it um yeah so i guess my first and most superficial question is like of all those amazing photos, Kirsty, like which one stuck out which one stood out to you as like your favourite? Like that made you go, Wow. I really love the ones of Leia with Luke and mm. uh well, Billy, but Conics in character. Yes. Uh, they were just so lovely to see and they made me tear up a little. It was really, really beautiful. It's just these lovely tender images and you can really see this like close warm loving relationship coming through in both of them mm-hmm. i think the one of um carrie and billy especially got to me because that's just such a pure embodiment of this wonderful mother-daughter love and it was like <laughs> yeah. yeah it just makes you all like emotional but it's, at the same time it's lovely that we have those photos oh yeah it's i'll so definitely good. be buying the um the cover with leia on it mm. like it's just so striking she just looks gorgeous yeah, And I don't know about you, and I'm probably just projecting this, but mm-hmm. when I was looking at her costume, it kind of reminded me of Bales. Mm. Is that, do you think that's intentional at all? It kind of had that vibe. It was like architectural and kind of had like that khaki brown color to it. Yeah. No, I see where you're coming from now. You've said, now you've said that. I must say it didn't enter my mind before, but like someone did actually send me a message on Tumblr saying it reminded them of Padme's Senate gowns. Oh. Um, which I can see. I can yeah, I mean, it, it does have that like avant-garde feel. Yeah, but it's just so beautiful, and it's in such like it's just a completely different ball game from the costumes Leia had in the Force Awakens. Yeah, like, what the hell were they? Seriously, <laughs> they were really bad. Like they were so bad that Carrie was like openly mocking them, like yeah. space gas station attendant or something. Yeah, <laughs> to use her special I'm, phrasing. I'm really glad she got to wear these because she just looks amazing. She does. She looks so regal and like just such a badass. Like you would not mess with her, basically. Yeah. And it's especially great to see Leia like in that amazing costume, and then see Laura Dern as Admiral Holdo mm-hmm. in her equally amazing but very contrasting costume. Yeah, because these are two very classy ladies, but they're very classy in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Like Holdo, she seems so like ostentatious and like i don't know like a faker like a poser kind of yeah it's like ridiculous she's like color coordinated right down to the curls in her hair and i think pablo's come out and said that there's some kind of like deeper cultural reason for why her hair is that way 
Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Which is interesting, but I still like to think of it as just her being incredibly vain and conceited. Hmm. I like the way that her hair looks like the details on the dress. Like, it's very coordinated. Yes. It's just, yeah, it's really gorgeous. Like, I'm, I'm just really pleased that they have these, like, references to more of the prequels aesthetic. Yeah. That's really cool to see. I think I saw that the dressmaker for Holdo's dress was a lady who also did dresses for Revenge of the Sith. Oh, awesome. Don't quote me on that, but it's, it's a thing I saw on the internet. Mm. And... Yeah, I'd, I think that's really cool. Yeah. It's like you say, it's nice to see them going back to those influences. Um, yeah, I think we, to move on a little, I definitely agree with you that Carrie's cover is the best of all the covers that were released. And that does involve some kind of fave betrayal because obviously Kylo has a, has a cover and he's kind of my fave, although I'm back, on, back and forth over whether it's him or whether it's Ray and so on and so forth. He's my favourite, but... Um... Like he's my, he's my favourite character in the sequel trilogy. That's probably mm. pretty clear to people who listen to the show. <laughs> yes. but the, and I, So I was excited to see the cover, but at the same time, it kind of just looks like the First Order as we've seen them before. It's just, he's unmasked. I mean, Phasma was unmasked, which was more exciting to me, because that makes me wonder if we're going to see her unmasked in the movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that we will. I remember reading something in the big Vanity Fair article that came out today, and it was along the lines of we were umming and ahhing over whether we wanted to explore the person underneath that costume. And when it came to The Last Jedi, we basically decided that yes, yes, we did. I think that is so important, honestly. If they're going to make Phasma Finn's primary antagonist, and you know she has to have a proper connection to the story. She can't just be this chrome trooper, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really excited because Gwendolyn is so talented as well. Yes. And like, I just felt like she was so underutilized in The Force Awakens and they're bringing out all the, these new things to celebrate Phasma and kind of embrace her further into the extended canon. So, you know, if they can turn her around and make her a great character in The Last Jedi, I am all for it. Yeah. You know? No, so. same. So like, I've been pretty open about the fact that Phasma is far from being my favorite character in The Force Awakens. But that doesn't mean I don't think they can improve the character and make her more interesting and compelling in The Last Jedi. I always think it's possible to course correct with these things. And I'd be thrilled if they did, because everyone wins if they make this character great. So, yeah, like I really hope they pull it off. And like you say, Gwendolyn's amazing. I love her as Brienne in Game of Thrones. I know that's a lazy thing to say because everyone says that, but it's just true. I think she's great in that show and I think she has the potential to be great in Star Wars. Yeah. So yeah, I hope they give her that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Um, Hux has a scary hair now. I swear he looks like he's aged a decade. <laughs> I guess that's what's having your baby blown up. Yeah. If he does to you. Seriously, he's under pressure now. Yeah. He's got those fierce sideburns. Oh the my God. terrifying parting, the receding hairline. I do think that rivalry between Hux and Kylo is only going to get worse. Oh, for sure. Because Ky- Hux is so clearly going to blame Kylo for so much of what went wrong. Yeah, which is fair, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, Kylo needs to be held accountable, to be honest. It's like, you're a very naughty boy. Fuck. I mean, we'll see what happens. Like, Hux might just be angry at him, but not able to actually enact any kind of revenge. But yeah, I'd be surprised if that antagonism doesn't further. You know, it was there for a reason, so... I think that if Snoke has any sense, he'll keep them in different playpens. <laughs> so they literally can't get at each other. Like, oh, otherwise, it's just too dangerous. 
The other thing I was really excited about was Kelly Marie Tran on the Resistance cover. Yes, and we have a surname for her, thank God. Yes! So we don't get any stupid arguments about whether she's a Skywalker or Han Solo's illegitimate child or something. So she's Rose Tico. And yes. she also has a sister called Paige. I was so excited to see that. That was a total yes. surprise. And I was just like, oh my God, we're going to get two female Asian characters. Like, that's just so cool. Yeah, I don't know how amazing. big a part Paige will play, obviously, but... I, 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 that's the kind of thing that I can imagine them um, developing lots of backstory for. So maybe we would get a book about them as children or something like that, you know? Yeah. That's just so exciting. And I, and, okay, I don't want to be a downer. This is mm-hmm. my, like, one thing for that cover. Like, I was really excited to see her, but it almost looked like they were pushing her out of the frame. Yeah. Why it, was she just kind of tacked onto the side? Yeah, it was kind of like, um, yo, bro, I love you, yeah. bro. Yeah, bro, I love you too, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and then poor Rose is just kind of like almost halfway out the frame and it's just awkward. It was it's- strange, like evenly spaced them out. Yeah, and it's especially weird because they've literally come out and said that Storm Pilot isn't happening. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, but that cover is such Storm Pilot bait because that is like the most perfect shipper pose that they could possibly do with those characters. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing that these were selected a while ago. And um, even though Kathleen Kennedy and John Boyega have said since, like it's not happening. Mm. Um, well, again, it's like Vanity Fair and it's marketing. So they know that that's a popular ship. Yes. Like it's, it's super popular because it's so popular with the media as well. Mm. Like everyone's just kind of taking true. it for granted that that's happening and it's not. And it's really awkward. Yeah, that, like of not all the ships. That was the one to enter the zeitgeist. I yeah. think Storm Pilot, and yeah, it's kind of met a sad end. But yeah, like all that aside, I really do like that Resistance cover. Oh, I, I think, think Finn I, looks gorgeous. He does. <laughs> I think Finn and Poe both look gorgeous, to be honest. And Rose is just so cute, <laughs> yeah. and I love her whole demeanor and her outfit. Like she, I think I saw a fan art where she, it was like Rose, but she was done out like Rosie the Riveter. Like in yeah, old like nineteen forties propaganda style. Yeah. And oh, it's just such a great image. Like I just have a feeling we're all gonna be really surprised by that character. So I think mm-hmm. people have really like either low or non existent expectations of Rose because obviously she's this unknown quantity. But I do think she's gonna take us all by surprise and people are gonna love her. Yeah, I mean they're really pushing the fact that she's gonna be very important to Finn's story. Yeah. So I think overall he's probably gonna get more screen time with her, just kind of based on what they're implying yeah definitely and i also really like that with things like introducing Paige, who's going to be her sister that also indicates that it's not just going to be about rose serving as a tool to finn's story right she's also going to have her own story yeah like, i have a horrible feeling something is going to happen to Paige. no I like I I don't know why I'm so cynical and pessimistic I'll, about these things. I'm always no, the first I, person to say, but I know why you are because Star Wars tends to do that to female characters. Yeah, and it's a woman of color. You like the media, yeah. like you know, entertainment. The Hollywood is generally terrible with yeah. those types of characters. So I guess it's just... it just seems too good to be true. <laughs> so I just can't accept that they're going to have these two awesome young women characters completely new and have them both be a full part of the story. Because we know there's some kind of like attack on the resistance early on. You see it in the trailer when Poe's X-wing gets blown up, and I I just really hope that it's not like Paige meets a sorry end in that sequence. Oh, but okay. Yeah, let's move on from that. <laughs> yeah, I don't that's think horrible that right scaremongering. Now. Sorry. <laughs> Scavengers, scaremongers. <laughs> yeah. What um, about Benicio del Toro? Oh God, yeah, it needs DJ. a shout. 
He does. He looks really smelly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're really pushing the idea of him being like kind of shady as well. Yeah. He looks really um, like loush and underhand, which is perfect. I think it's a great image of him because you really get a great sense of the character just mm. from looking at him. He he looks all like greasy and slimy and you're like, I don't want to touch you. But Yeah. And they said that apparently he's not going to actually be named in the film. Mm. Like, I guess kind of like Law Santeca wasn't. Yeah. I do wonder if they might be pulling off something really big with this character because they're clearly building up quite a mystery around him with like this whole who's a DJ thing and saying that there's a reason why he's called DJ and stuff. I think it might be a case where he has this seemingly obvious appearance that, oh, he's just a member of the criminal underworld. But then he like takes us by surprise and he turns out to be something much bigger than that. I'm not saying he turns out to be like a Sith Lord <laughs> or something ridiculous, but... I could see him having a quite a small minor part in this film and then going on to have a much bigger role in episode 9 but yeah they could do anything so we will say mhm yeah lots of mystery right now yeah no absolutely um and what about Ray and Luke Ray and Luke they yeah, don't look very happy, do they? They don't. They look positively <laughs> miserable to be honest. I must say their cover I found the weakest. Like, it's yeah, just I something about just the see- composition is really awkward. I feel like we've seen that image before. Yeah. You know, like, it's just not... I mean, it, again, it's probably because they're kind of wearing what they were wearing at the end of The Force Awakens. Yeah. I guess we, we get a shot of the beehive hut, which is cool, but like she's still got her staff, which feels very The Force Awakens as well. Like, she, um, like she might be using it to get around the island, but... Yeah. Um, like, in-universe, yeah. it looks like such a forced photo. Like, as if there's some kind of, like, weird alien photographer saying, come on, kids, get together, get together. <laughs> and Ray's like, oh, I don't want to, I'm tired. I've just walked up 500 steps, please. <laughs> <laughs> and Luke's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, it's just funny to me. But yeah, like, it's really interesting to see Mark in those ceremonial robes in so many of these photos, because based on everything else we've heard... I'm pretty sure he's only actually going to wear those in this first like scene of the the last Jedi that he's in. Yeah, I don't think they want to give anything away for those characters. Like they we know, really don't. Although you know, they had various costumes shown at celebration for Daisy. Yeah, that's um, true. I think the one they're keeping the most on the lowdown is Kylo, because mm-hmm. we have absolutely no sense of Kylo in relation to space or time. <laughs> in right, any of the just, images he's just in yeah. studios. It's like, hey, it's like in the Vanity Fair photos for The Force Awakens, we saw Kylo at Starkiller Base. Mm -hmm. And that was obviously reflective of where he was in the film, because of course he's on Starkiller Base. But yeah, here he might as well like exist in a vacuum apart from everyone else, because yeah, nothing. They don't want to do anything. (laughs) That shot of him with the cape billowing out, though. Yes, that's so that. extra. And and there was like a like a shot of him in the video that they had as well, so yeah. you could see it moving because he brought the saber down. I just it's just so dramatic. It is it's like amazing. full on. I loved lift. how his cloak was getting completely tangled, though. I know it's not practical at all. <laughs> no, not at all. It's clearly like a this is my aesthetic <laughs> vibe, which is very appropriate for Kylo Ren. So Definitely. I like it. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in that um, shot, um, the amazing shot of him wielding his lightsaber, um, I noticed that he looked particularly like sallow and ill. Mm. Like he hasn't looked in the greatest 
like shape like he's looked very very tired he's looked exhausted basically in virtually all the images we've seen of him but in that one he did look a bit like i've just been woken up from death <laughs> like, i think that makes sense for the kind of story they seem to be pushing for him as well yeah like what was the quote from adam about um like his injuries being or his his wounds being internal as much as external yeah or else, you know it's something like that and something about patricide not being all it's cracked <laughs> up to be which is a great quote yeah it almost sounds flippant he's probably bored yeah. to death of talking about Han Solo's death but yeah oh I found it right okay so this is what Adam says I feel like almost everyone is in that rehabilitation state you know I don't think that patricide is all that it's cracked up to be ha 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 maybe that's where Kylo Ren is starting from his external scar is probably as much an internal one. Mm. Ooh. I think there's a really interesting quote, especially the part about rehabilitation state, because that could mean so many things. That could mean literally, I am being rehabilitated after being drastically wounded at the end of The Force Awakens, which is the most obvious and surface level meaning, but it could also be like alluding to like the redemption kind of rehabilitation. Mm. So yeah. I do feel like um, they're going to make kind of a foil relationship out of Finn's recovery and Kylo's as well. Mm. Which is really cool. I appreciate that. Yeah, because John Boyega was also talking. I'm not sure if this was in the Vanity Fair one or the Entertainment Weekly one that came out yesterday as well. Mm. Um, But he was talking about how the lightsaber wounds are not going to be easy to heal. And he was like really emphasizing that, which is kind of strange because we haven't had stuff about that in canon before. Yes. So for some reason they're really emphasizing that with this character, yeah. Um, and then it's not going to be such an easy recovery for him. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll see. Was that with Finn or Kylo? Finn. Yeah. No, it is really interesting because what we've heard before from making styles and stuff, it's suggested that he's going to recover really well and be better than ever and in this great physical condition. Um, but yeah, it's actually really interesting to me if they do decide to depict it as more of like a process and a struggle for him, mm. where he needs to like recuperate and rehabilitate himself. Yeah, I think they really could do that at first because, it, like, again in the teaser, they only showed him in the the suit, mm. so they they might want to kind of make it a bit more dramatic and like have the actual possibility that he wouldn't fully recover. Yeah, they could always have it be that Rose is the one who helps him through his recovery or something like that. Mm. So they've established this whole relationship where she's like, oh my god, Finn, the resistance hero, you're amazing. And in that case, she'd have a good reason to want to help him and want to like bring him back to glory, kind of. Mm. Um, again, I would want there to be much more to Rose's story than that, because I don't just want her to be like a caregiver or like a, you can do it, Finn, person. But I think that would be a nice way to start like a positive and really sweet relationship between the two of them yeah for sure should be cool um god i feel like there's so much to have i know Kirsty. it's really <sighs> we're scary. gonna have to have a full-on conversation next oh yeah the week after because um there's just so much like there there are also these photos of um like the high society in, in canto bite yes like the casino planet and that just looks amazing too. Like everyone's in black and white, very formal and amazing hairstyles and stuff. Yeah. So cool. It is really cool. More aliens. Yeah. No, everyone looks so awesome. 
I must say, I really feel like with all this Vanity Fair stuff, I feel like we're actually getting loads more information about what this film's going to look like and feel like through this than we did at Celebration. Do you feel like that? Yeah. I, I, you know, it was exciting at Celebration. Like, it was so cool to see the teaser, but that was just the beginning, you know? Yeah. Like, they knew that this was going to come out, so they kind of had to save stuff. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, so I'm just kind of scrolling through more of the photos. <laughs> Yeah. Would you mind if we actually talked a little bit about a slightly controversial thing? Like, because I made a post about Ray's costumes, essentially, and the potential implications of that. And I'd just like to expand on that a bit. It's something that we've talked about before, because, well, in in the spoiler section, because at the time it wasn't known to be a thing. But obviously now with this, it's kind of confirmed the or at least it points in the direction of what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, but I, it's it's always the kind of thing that's going to generate some controversy because some people just, I don't know, like sexuality and especially female sexuality makes them uncomfortable. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like, so basically one of the photos from this Vanity Fair spread, it shows Ray in like an action pose of a lightsaber and she's got the shirt on from the end of The Force Awakens without the jacket. And to put it kindly, it's very form-fitting, basically. You know, you really see the shape of her body, the shape of her breasts, and she looks really sexy. And like that, as far as I'm concerned, is just a statement of fact. I'm not trying to like objectify Ray or Daisy or anything like that. I'm essentially just describing what the image shows, as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, it's just really interesting because people get so, so sensitive about pointing these things out and having these conversations. And I understand because I do think part of it comes from a good place because obviously in cinema there's this ennoble tradition of pointlessly sexualizing female characters to give the audience cheap frills. But I honestly don't think that's the point here. Like Because it's not like she's sexualized to a ludicrous degree. It's not like she's Lilo in The Fifth Element where she's wearing like strips instead of actual clothes. So I don't think it's gratuitous, but at the same time it's saying, look, this character is a woman, she's not sexless, she's not a child, she is like a mature person, and there's going to be stuff that goes with that. Mm. Because Ryan Johnson has literally compared what the characters are going through in this film to the adolescent experience. And as I said on our earlier podcast, where we quite prophetically actually (laughs) touched upon this, like developing your sexuality and having a sexual identity that is part of the adolescent experience and yeah it's just really interesting to me that that's so controversial to people and that people would want to censor that or deny that it's a thing it's just weird to me i think it is because and especially if you look at the context of star wars and you know the way that like leia had the gold bikini and padme like on geonosis yeah um, it's it's the assumption that it's coming through the male gaze and that's what makes it problematic. But because Ray is the protagonist, that is mm. so important because yes, this is written and directed by a, a male director, but it's it's a female centric story. Yeah. So Ray has agency. Like that is so important. And yes. you, ha- you have to accept that and accept her role as the protagonist to mm. maybe understand that. Um yeah. that she's not it's not like she's looking sexy for the sake of of a male characters or the like male audience like that's not really what it's about it's about her growth 
Yeah. And I, maybe it makes people uncomfortable because she was presented as quite childlike, especially at the beginning of The Force Awakens. Yeah. But through the trilogy, she is going to go on a journey to adulthood. Like, that's what it's about. Yes. So that might make some people uncomfortable, but that's kind of the point of these stories. Like, they're a guide for young women to embrace who they are. Yeah. Um, and not everyone is going to be exactly like Ray, but it's more about, like, finding out who you are and being proud of, of what that is. So... Yeah. So I think there's like an insidious undertone to this kind of like backlash and commentary. And it's that a woman can't be a sexual person, like without somehow diminishing herself or being less heroic or less powerful or less independent, like all that kind of bullshit, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really, really bad message to send. So I think these things do come from a well-intentioned place a lot of the time. But I think people need to like step back and actually think about the implications of what they're saying sometimes when they're so resistant to the idea of these characters having any sexuality. Yeah. And, you know, again, like, let's keep it in perspective. Like she is wearing a lower cut top than she was in The Force Awakens, sure. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's not like, it's not skimpy and revealing. It's not like, you know, yeah. oh it's my God, like, Oh, my clothes are falling off. <laughs> exactly. It's just like... <laughs> She's shedding some layers like this. Exactly, just like Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, would you mind if I very quickly strayed into spoilers? Because I'd just like to clarify something slightly that I wasn't able to on Tumblr because of re- spoiler-related reasons. Oh, sure. Like, just as long as that's clear for the audience, like, that's what we're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, we're only going to have a really quick conversation and then I think we're going to wrap it up, Kirsty. That's all right, because I need oh, yeah. to sleep. Yeah, that's um, fine. Yeah, but so, spoilers. Um, And to be honest, I'm not even sure how much of a spoiler this is, this is anymore because I'm kind of at the point where I think surely everyone knows Kylo Ren goes to Act 2, right? But then I need to step back from that because when you're so subsumed in spoilers as I am, you completely lose perspective on these things. And... I don't think the general audience knows and I think that's why they hid it in Vanity Fair. Yeah. Um, but again, Adam was seen at the airport with them like going to film on location. So I'm sure so it's trying not to keep common. It super secret, but yeah, it's not common knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, so basically the point is that according to various reports, including one from Making Star Wars, which is now very old and lots of stuff in it has been contradicted or walked back, but it still seems to be broadly correct in terms of who's fighting who and who's with who and so on. But anyway, according to this very old Making Star Wars report, Rey and Kylo fight on a cliff, they get right to the brink of the cliff, and then Rey disappears. Mm. And Basically, when we were having this conversation before about like Ray's costume alteration as an expression of her sexuality and her grow maturity, we were having that conversation on the basis of one of the behind-the-scenes photos they showed at Celebration, which showed Ray in this costume, but it was slightly different because it was raining and her hair was coming down, um, which also fed into the argument. And yeah, so the point is that it's not just Ray wearing this outfit outfit in isolation is also Ray wearing this outfit in the rain when she's in this very intense, like passionate lightsaber duel with Kylo Ren. And I do think that adds like extra context to it that can't help but frame those costumes and those like choices on an aesthetic level in a different light. I hope that makes sense. I can feel myself descending into incoherence. 
from tiredness. <laughs> oh no, it totally does. Um, obviously, we're just speculating now as to what these things could mean. It's mm. like you know, we know we haven't seen the film yet, but that's just kind of how our understanding of those tropes would go. Yeah, um, I saw in the the video that Vanity Fair put out that Ryan was filming in what looked like like water. Yes. Um, so I don't like. I know. Well, there's another spoiler that indicates something that you know Ray might have to do. But um, another thing could be that when she is, you know, disappearing off the cliff, she could go into the water. Like, we just don't know. So, yeah. so basically, it's completely unknown what happens to Ray after she goes off that ledge. Mm. There's been all kinds of wild theories, like right up to and including Kylo Ren jumping into the water after Ray to save her. Um, there's absolutely nothing to support that. Yeah, it's not impossible, but there's just no evidence to back that up. And... Yeah, like so, it's a very enticing scenario and a very enticing cliffhanger. Ha! <laughs> it's literally a cliff. Um, but yeah, just the fact of the matter is, you have these characters who have this very like intense and intimate connection in the Force Awakens, and then again, you have them in these very close quarters, dressed in these particular ways in the Last Jedi. And I do think there are implications to that. I'm not saying it means these people are destined to be lovers. Or anything like that. It's not like that scenario alone confirms Raylo. Of course it doesn't. But I just find it interesting. And I think it plays well into like the understand the story that Raylos tend to have. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I keep on questioning whether things make sense too much. Oh. <laughs> I need to trust in myself. <laughs> um, are there any last things you'd like to say, Kirsty, before we wrap this up? I'm sure there's loads of stuff that once we hang up, I'm going to think, oh, I forgot to mention that. But this is just <laughs> kind of us trying to get out something quickly because we can't record this weekend. Yes. Um, so we'll probably come back with a full analysis of everything, like, you know, the week after. But yeah, we'll do there's, like a very... there's so much here. And apparently there's going to be more tomorrow. They're going to give us some web exclusive extras as well. Oh, so well. and then the guy who wrote the article was doing an Ask Me Anything on Reddit earlier today. And he has some really interesting things to say. Yeah. So there's there's lots to unpack. So yeah. yay. We're gonna write copious <laughs> notes and cover everything in painful detail. Don't worry. <laughs> it will just take a little while. <laughs> uh blame my social life people. Sorry. That's why I'm not here this weekend to record. Yeah, Whoa. yeah. You know, real life comes out yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Life before Star Wars, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And yeah, tune in next time. Bye. Bye.